You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Take your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 3. 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, chapter number 2. 2 Samuel, chapter number 2. Man, you did a wonderful job on that song. 2 Samuel chapter 2. And I like what Brother Delgado was saying about silence your cell phones. And I was thinking, I would say that. But what it, did, it, did it come across to you guys like, it's so rare that pastor preaches a good message. So when your cell phone goes off, man, you know, you ruined our one chance this month. So, no, I'm just kidding. It didn't. It didn't come across that way. I'm just joking. 2 Samuel chapter number 2. Hey, this is kind of a, a weird request, all right? It, it sounds weird, but when you see those tracks out there by the lobby, in, in the lobby as you're leaving today, as you're walking out, could you just maybe spend a little time praying over them? Now, what I'm, I don't mean, you know, like that if someone touches them, they get saved or anything, but, but just pray that those, those flyers would find people over the next couple weeks, and that people would take them and read them. You know, people have found tracks in strange places, picked them up, read them, and got saved. And so you never know what God could do with a piece of paper because that piece of paper has the Word of God on it, and there's power in the Word of God. And so just pray that those tracks find people and that people read them and uh, come to church, get saved, and that God would use it in a mighty way. So as you're walking back there, I'd encourage you to, first of all, grab a few. All right, grab a few and, and, and use them, but then pray over them as well. Second Samuel chapter number two, um, I want to preach a message this morning entitled The Chase. And, I, and you'll, you'll see why in just a little bit here, why I'm preaching on this, and you'll understand the topic in just a few minutes here. But I want you to look at, at Second Samuel chapter number two and verse, uh, if, if you would. Well, let me just give you a couple things of what's happening first, okay, before we, before we even jump into this. If you're familiar with 1st and 2nd Samuel, you'll know that, that Saul and David are a big part of that. And at the end of 1st Samuel, Saul dies. King Saul, first king of Israel, dies. In kind of a, in a, in a, in a battle, but in a way that was uh, not pretty. They hung him up on a wall. And, uh, and this, of course, broke David's heart, even though David was hunted by Saul. And uh, so David, in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, is mourning Saul. He's, he's weeping for Saul. He says, how the mighty are fallen, and, and uh, you know, just really it takes time to mourn them. Of course, his best friend, uh, Jonathan, was killed in that battle as well, Saul's son. But David is now getting ready. <clears throat> he, had been, he had been anointed king by Samuel long before this. And so David's getting ready to step into the leadership of being a king. But uh, he's only king at first, of one tribe, his tribe, Judah. For seven years in Hebron, David is going to rule as the king of Judah. And then after those seven years, uh, all of Israel will accept David as king, and he'll reign for 33 more years for a total of 40 years of David reigning as king. But uh, at this time, in chapter 2, what's happening is that David is preparing to rule in Judah. He, so Saul has died. David's kind of ascending just the throne of that one king there, uh, one uh, tribe there. And in the meantime, Saul had another son by the name of Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth. And, uh, and so Saul's son Ishbosheth was going to become king. 
because Saul's general of his army, they call it the captain of the host, was the name Abner. Okay, so we've got a couple names here to remember. You've got David and Saul, which we probably all know. Abner was like the general of the army. He was captain of the host, right? And so Abner, when Saul dies, says, well, we need a king. So who else is in line here? Okay, Saul's got a son named Ishbosheth. And so we'll install him as king in Israel. And so he reigns for two years, and then war breaks out. And then later on, of course, he's killed, and David becomes king. But look, if you would, in the midst of all this transition so we've got the people of Israel, we've got the tribe of Judah, we've got David's men versus Abner and Ishbosheth's men right now. Now, keep in mind, th there was not supposed to be any split, any war here. This was, this was a civil war that was about to happen. And in the middle of all this, after Ishbosheth has reigned for two years, look at verse number 12. <clears throat> verse number 12. And Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Maenaim to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon, Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool, and the other on the other side of the pool. So Joab, you know, Ab, okay, so we've got Ishbosheth ruling Israel. Abner was his general. David ruling Judah. Joab is going to be a David's general, captain of the host, okay? He's going to be the guy uh, leading the armies there. And so they come and find this pool, which we would probably call a pond. And so we have two armies now, one on either side. Verse number 14. And Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and play before us. And Joab said, let them arise. What does that mean to play? So we're just going to take our time going through something so I can explain what's happening. The word play means to compete or to have a contest. And so kind of like a gladiatorial type thing here, they, they were basically doing war games. So they had uh, one group of people here, one group of people here, and they said, you know, instead of us all just killing each other, let's let the young men play. So they chose out 12 men from each side to war, to battle, to see who would win. <clears throat> so then, verse 15, then there arose and went over by number 12 of Benjamin, which pertaineth to Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 of the servants of David. So they're sending out 12 men each. And they caught every one his fellow by the head and thrust his sword in his fellow's side so that they fell down together. Wherefore, the place was called Helkath Hezerim, which is in Gibeon, which means field of swords, by the way. And it was in Gibeon. And then it says, verse 17, and there was a very sore battle that day. And Abner was beaten and the men of Israel before the servants of David. So... The, the little contest they have by the pond, they send 12 men out from this side, 12 men from the other side, everybody's watching this battle. It ends in a tie, in a super weird way. So I don't know if like this was battle strategy back in the day, but they all have swords, they walk over, they, they grab the other person's head, that person grabs their head, they're like, ah, you know, stab here, stab here. The, the weirdest thing. Right, so the weirdest thing, and, and so they, they die. Uh, everybody in that battle, all 12 on both sides, die the same way. Can you imagine watching that? Like, yeah, our side's going to win. Then you're like, what? You ever watch a football game and it ends in a tie? You're like, why did I watch this? This was not, this is terrible, you know? But uh, this was people dying. I mean, this, was, this battle was happening and 12 guys on both sides die. And you have to be thinking like, come on, you couldn't have like one guy win. But that's what happened. So after that, what happens, and the Bible says there in verse 17, there was a very sore battle that day, so they just all decide to fight. 
Now there's war breaking out. Civil war is breaking out. And uh, there were, uh, verse uh, 18 there, it says, and there were three sons of Zeruiah there, Joab, remember he's the captain of the host, and Abishai and Asahel. And Asahel was as light of foot as a wild roe. We would say gazelle. It's not a deer, deer is a heart. This was like a, they, you know, we say that kid's, you know, fast as a gazelle. Kind of the same thing here, was light of foot as a gazelle. So Abner's army is beaten, and now they're running away. They're, they're leaving because they just got beat. Verse 19, and Asahel pursued after Abner. And in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. So, you know, here they are running away, and they're, they're leaving, they're fleeing, and now they have one guy, Asahel, who's pursuing. He's fast. I mean, he's like a gazelle. That's what it's saying there. He is fast. He's flying, but he's not looking at anybody else. He's looking at Abner. And he's looking at Abner because here's the thing, and you'll see in just a second, for someone to get the armor of somebody else was like, uh, if you, I hate to use sports analogy again, if you watch football, sometimes people exchange jerseys, right? To have that as a badge of honor. And so when, uh, when a, a soldier was fighting, if they killed somebody or won, they would take their armor as, as a trophy, as seeing like, look who I got. So to get General Abner's armor would bring a lot of glory to Asahel. Would bring a lot of glory to him. And uh, so he's pursuing. But first of all, the battle wasn't necessary. They shouldn't have been fighting. And secondly, the pursuit of Abner was not necessary. But look at verse 19. So Asahel pursued after him, and, and uh, he would not turn to the right hand or the left from following Abner. Then verse 20, then Abner looked behind him and said, Art thou Asahel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said unto him, Turn thee aside to thy right hand or to thy left, and lay thee hold on one of the young men, and take thee his armor. But Asahel would not turn aside from following of him. So he's saying, hey, fight, fight one of the young guys. Okay? If you win, you get their armor. But stop following me. Now look, to be the general of the host there doesn't just mean you had good strategy. It probably meant you were a good fighter too. Here's Abner, older, saying, all right, turn aside and get one of these young guys. But did Asahel listen to this? No, he did not. He's seeking the glory of that, of that kill there. So verse number uh, uh, 22. And Abner said again to Asahel, turn thee aside from following me. Wherefore should I smite thee to the ground? Hey, wh why should I have to kill you? How then should I hold my face to Joab thy brother? How would I even be able to look at your brother if I have to kill you? Turn aside. Fight someone else so I don't have to kill you. That's what he said. So he warned him. And then he warned him again. But Asahel didn't listen to the warning. He just kept going. Verse 23, so we see what happens. Howbeit he refused to turn aside. Wherefore Abner, with the hinder end of the spear, so we had a, a sharper end on this side of the spear too, smote him under the fifth rib that the spear came out behind him. So just straight through. And he fell down there and died in the same place came to pass that as many as came to the place where Asahel fell down and died, stood still. Now, jo Joab and Abishai continued, the brothers of Asahel, they continued chasing Abner, and Abner uh, gets some reinforcements from Benjamin, and he stands up and says, hey, look, are, you guys, are we going to kill each other all the day long? Are God's people going to kill each other? And, jo and Joab says, okay, unless you had spoken, we probably would have. And so they find out later about Asahel, and... Uh, but Asahel lost. I mean, he, he, he went after Abner, 
because he wanted that glory, he was, he was seeking that glory, he got uh, Abner to warn him a couple times, but he pays for it with his life. Now here's the interesting thing. Look at chapter 3 if you would. Chapter 3, verse 27. So now David reunites the armies a couple years later, and he is the ruler over, uh, over all Israel, and now he's saying, Abner, you come and you're on our team now. You were fighting for Israel. You were being loyal to your tribes there. Now that I'm king, I want you on my side. Joab doesn't like it. Joab doesn't like that, uh, that uh, Abner killed his, his brother or that Abner could be in charge. And so verse 27 of chapter 3, and then when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. You notice where he hit him? Under the fifth rib. Did you notice back in chapter 2, verse 23, where Asahel was hit? Under the fifth rib. Killed him the same way that his brother was killed. Obvious revenge. Obvious coming after Abner for this. Here's the thing about Asahel, though, that I want to get to, that I want to talk about. He, Asahel was chasing something dangerous. Captain of the host. Warrior. Brilliant strategist, probably. And now he's, he's chasing after something dangerous. He's chasing after something unnecessary. He didn't need to beat Abner. He didn't need to, to say, you know, I'm going to go get the, the captain's armor. He was chasing something for himself. I want you to go to one more place. Hold your place here if you would. And go, if you would, to uh, uh, 1 Chronicles. So just about three books over to the right. 1 Chronicles 27. 1 Chronicles 27. Then I'll tell you where we're going with the message and we'll just dive right in today. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 27. And I just want, uh, you, I, you probably could have guessed this, or we could have guessed, but it's good that we know this. So uh, First uh, Chronicles chapter 27, look if you would down here, at, uh, at, it's talking about how uh, David had organized uh, different food and different things to come in every month, and he had set leaders in charge of it every month. And in chapter 7, we see that the fourth captain for the fourth month was Asahel the brother of Joab, so not to be confused with any other Asahel, the brother of Joab, and Zebediah, his son, after him. And in his course were 20 and 4,000. <clears> what I wanted to show you out of that passage was that simply, and, and again, we probably could have guessed this, but, but now we, we do know for sure that Asahel had children, at least one son, at least a son that was helping him in the work. So that adds to me more gravitas or more seriousness to the fact that this man, Asahel, whom I like in Scripture, I, I like reading about him. There's not much about him, honestly, because he did this. But, but that adds something to, to the fact that he is now chasing after Abner. And he's chasing something unnecessary, and he's chasing something that is dangerous, and he's chasing something that really was only for him. He wasn't going out there, I'm fighting for the Lord. No, he was fighting for him. <clears throat> and I, I want you to see today that even though he, he was the one that, that died, he wasn't the only one that suffered. Now he's got a wife at home, and he's got kids at home, because he was chasing something he shouldn't have chased. You see where the message is going? Oftentimes, we chase things in our lives that are not worth chasing. 
We live our lives and we, we seek after something that may be dangerous for us. We're chasing or pursuing something that may just be unnecessary. Or we're chasing and pursuing something that is simply just self-seeking and self-serving. And I want us to look today and talk about the chase. The chase. What are we chasing? What are we, what are we pursuing in our lives? Let's pray together. Father, bless. I pray this message in the time we have. Briefly for the next few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to give you three thoughts this morning. First of all, we are all chasing something. <clears throat> We're all chasing something. I'm not chasing anything, Pat. Yeah, you are. We're all chasing something. You may just be chasing comfort. Uh, you know, don't bother me. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, revival at church. Come on, man. That's going to interrupt my Monday night football. And, and I just want to sit down in my chair. just want to have, uh, you know, a cold root beer. And, uh, you know, I just want to sit there and enjoy my time. And we all chase something. We are all in pursuit of something. We're all trying to catch up with something. For a lot of people, it's a worldly dream. It's a worldly ideal. You know, the American dream for so long was, you know, the two kids and, and uh, you know, the 2.2 kids or whatever it was, you know, and, and the picket fence and the big house and, 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 and the nice cars and the driveway. And so we all, we all pursue some type of dream. We all are trying to chase something, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, money or, or uh, you know, we have the, the nest egg set up everybody's chasing something you know Paul chased something Paul in the Bible was chasing uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 not as though I'd already attained either were already perfect but I follow after it's the same word as pursue I follow after then later on he says I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus Paul was chasing something Paul was pursuing something and David chased things in Psalm 27, verse 8. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek, will I pursue. I'm seeking God. I'm pursuing him. I'm looking for God. That's why God could say that David's heart was perfect with him and that he sought for man after his own heart because David was pursuing God. Oftentimes what we pursue in this life is not something that is related to God. We're pursuing something for ourselves. We're pursuing gold. We're pursuing greed. We're pursuing fame and popularity. We're pursuing so many things, but is it worth pursuing? And what I want to say here today is we are all chasing something. But number two, I want to say this. Not everything that we're chasing is a worthy pursuit. Not everything that we chase is worthy of being pursued. Not everything that we want is worthy of having. Not everything that we think we need is worthy of our time. Because we just think that way. And I want to get us back to realizing that, hey, when we're looking at Scripture, there are some things that God says are worth pursuing, and there are some things that are just not. When I was a teenager, I started taking guitar lessons. Uh, I think I was 14 or so. And uh, I had watched, I told my wife this story. She's like, I'd never heard this. But uh, I had watched this TV show in the, in the 90s. And it was a ripoff of another show called Saved by the Bell. It was a ripoff of that show, I think. And, uh, and, and I, so I grew up watching that type of stuff. And in, so during my formative years as a young teenager, you know, when you're deciding, like, who you are and, and how you dress and how you act and all that, I started watching this other show. And on the show, there was a character who was just super cool, you know. He, he wore a leather jacket. I mean, you know, the, like the biker jacket, you know, the one that like flaps over here and it's got the belt right here on the jacket. And he had biker boots <clears throat> and he wore blue jeans. And, you know, he, he had like usually like a white T-shirt on. It looked like he was the Fonz almost a little bit, you know, for some of you back in, in that time frame from Happy Days. If you don't know who the Fonz is, good night. All right, anyway, but uh, 
And uh, so, and then, you know, he had his hair slicked back, and, and, he, and he played guitar. And so they had a band, and the band's name was like the name of the TV show or something, you know. And so he'd get up there, and, and like, he, he, thinking back now, he could play a little bit, but those solos were not actually him playing, you know. Now I'm like, I, I, I criticize everyone, you know, on a TV show or, or a movie playing a guitar. I'm like, they're not really playing that, you know. But back then I was like, oh, you know. And so they would sing, and then he'd stand up with his guitar solo, ah, you know, and, and go into it. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that guy. That's what I want to be like, you know, and all the girls are over there swooning over him. And here I am at 13, you know, and I'm like, that's going to be me. And so, I, I, you know, for the next couple of years, I collected all my, my, my dad's cousin used to build Harleys and Triumphs and Indian motorcycles and rebuild and, and all these type of things. And so I got into, I, I was too young to even drive one, but I was like, I had Harley Davidson stuff everywhere. I, I had the shirt, you know, and so then I got the biker boots. I wasn't a biker, but I had the biker boots at 13 or 14, you know? And so then I was like, I had to, I had, it took me like a couple Christmases and birthdays to assemble this costume, you know? Then I got the leather jacket, the big leather jacket, you know, that was like killed eight cows to make this one jacket for me, you know? And said so it had the belt here and, and it zipped up and had pockets and everything. And then I got the chain, you know, you had to have a chain. You guys remember the grunge look? That was me, okay? And I had the chain, the big thick chain going to my wallet, and I had to like Jerry, I had to like hole punch a hole in my wallet, you know, and put it there. And so, yeah, I, I had the whole look, you know, and, and uh, so I started taking guitar lessons, and, and I was learning, you know, this, I, I was quickly better than the guy on the TV show, I'll tell you that for sure, but, uh, and I was just like, this is going to be me. Just take my flannel off and tie it around my waist, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember the grunge phase, anybody? Is it just me? Do you remember the grunge phase? Four of us. All right. So what was it in California? Were you guys still wearing bell bottoms in the 90s? What are you doing out here? Too high to even remember the 90s? Anyway, so I, uh, that's, how, uh, that's how I grew up. And I was like, man, I, you know, I, I, that, that was my phase. I had the earring, but I did, I did have a cross earring because I, I was still a Christian, you know. I did have the cross. So you had to have the cross. And I, and I just remember, like, my whole persona, my whole, my whole look changed because I thought, that's who I'm going to be like. I took guitar lessons, and I thought, you know, I, that's going to be me one day, standing up there, you know, just playing a solo on stage, and, you know, and just everybody is applauding and loving it. Was that dream worth pursuing? No, it really wasn't. I remember in high school, went going to teen camp, and sitting there with my cross necklace on, I had, took the, I had taken the earring out for camp. You know, I don't want to go to camp with the earring on. But uh, I had long hair down to my chin and, and all of that. And I just, this was going to be me. And, and I just remember going to teen camp. And God just, what he really did was he gave me something worth chasing. He gave me something worth pursuing. Because the dream that I had was really not worth it. Because I tell you, as I've grown up and I've watched a lot of those people and those bands and stuff that I used to listen to, just checking the news here and then will tell you that this one died of overdose, this one did this, this one did this, this one jumped off a building and he almost died. He jumped four stories and somehow lived. And, you know, and all of this type of stuff. And I'm thinking, thank God that he gave me something worth chasing. He gave me something. And you know what was worth chasing? Him. God. That was what was worth it. If, 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 think about this, though. There are other people that chase other things in the Bible. How about this, 1 Timothy 4.10? For Demas hath forsaken me, hath forsaken Paul, having loved this present world and is departed. 
So Demas thought it was worth chasing the world. What did we hear about Demas after that? Nothing. Because he didn't ever do anything. How about this? In Matthew 26, 16. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. You know who that's talking about? Judas. Judas was looking for something. He was pursuing something. What was it? Money. And an opportunity to betray Jesus. So there are things that are not worth pursuing. Many mighty warriors have been taken down by unworthy pursuits. Many mighty warriors have been taken down by unworthy pursuits. Paul's pursuits were worth it. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I follow after it that I may know him. That's worth it, pursuing Christ. Here's Asahel, chasing something dangerous, chasing something unnecessary, chasing something self-serving. It's amazing how we can chase our careers instead of our children. We chase our careers when we should be at home chasing our children around the house. People chase a coworker instead of their spouse. People chase things that are not worth chasing. We'll chase some fame and popularity thing on YouTube or TikTok or whatever's new nowadays, and there'll be something new next year. We, wanna, we, we chase those likes and that acceptance, and we chase that fame. And I got to tell you, so much of those things are not worth chasing. We chase our hobbies, and we pour our time into golf, or we pour our time into whatever else it is. We chase sports, we chase a relationships or pleasure, and we chase things while our relationships that really matter are withering and dying. You know why we chase those? Because it's easier than putting the work into our relationships. It's easier to do that. We may think that something we're pursuing is noble, but can I ask you, does it fit biblically? I say, well, pastor, how can I know what I'm chasing is worthy of being chased? So I'll just tell you a few things really quickly here. You want to know how things are worthy of chasing? Number one, ask yourself, does it please God? Does it please God? Is God pleased with what you're chasing? Is God pleased with, with what you're following after? Is God pleased with what you're, what you're pursuing and what you really want, what you want to attain and what you want to get? Is God pleased with that? Is God pleased with what you want? You, you know what God tells us to seek in the Bible, right? He tells us to seek his face. He tells us to seek Christ. He tells us to seek peace. He tells us to seek love. Someone said, even acceptable pleasure becomes sinful if you pursue them to the neglect of what is commanded in the Bible. Jesus told his disciples, follow me. The same call is for us today. You want to know, is what I'm chasing, is it a good thing? Is it worthy? First of all, does it please God? Secondly, does it fall in line with your priorities and responsibilities? Does what you're chasing, does it fall in line with your priorities and responsibilities? And you may be thinking here, well, pastor, you're saying that like only thing that matters is what we do for God. And so my job isn't worthy. No, your job is worthy. Your job is worth pursuing. Not to the, not to the, uh, the death of your family or to, the, uh, the, uh, to where you're neglecting your responsibility to your family, but your job is necessary. You know why? Because you're supposed to provide for your family. That's a priority, that's a responsibility, so absolutely that is worth, that is worth chasing, uh, uh, to have a job and provide. But as fathers, I'll tell you this, as fathers, we can get so busy chasing glory at work, or chasing accomplishment, trying to accomplish something or build something great, that we neglect one of the greatest responsibilities we have and one of the greatest things we can do, raising children for God, raising a son or daughter for the Lord. And wives, hey, in our day and age, you, you're getting the same pressure. You have to achieve. You have to do this in business. You have to do this in work. And sometimes we can be, as men or women, so driven at work that we let our family fall apart. You think that pleases God? No. But is God pleased when you work hard? Yes. So what am I saying? There's a balance. But your priorities must match. 
Some of you would know the name John Quincy Adams. He's one of our presidents, of course. <clears throat> Charles Francis Adams was the son of John Quincy Adams. Charles, when he was an adult, had a diary. And he wrote this in his diary. He wrote this, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son was named Brooke Adams. His son also had a diary that is still in existence. And on the same day that his father wrote, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted, Ch uh, Charles's son, Brooke, wrote this, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. One saw it as a waste. One saw it as an investment. You know, and I think, I wonder how that kid turned out. Like, I, I just wonder. But does what you're chasing, does it fall in line with your priorities and responsibilities? Hey, how, can, how else can I know if what I'm chasing is right? Does it reap eternal blessings? Does it reap dividends in heaven? Witnessing, that does. Prayer, seeking the Lord, meeting someone else's needs, giving, providing for your family, building relationships, discipling others, growing in your faith, those all reap eternal blessings. So maybe think through what you're pursuing, what you're wanting so badly. You know, nowadays, I, I hope as a church we can try to give a greater vision to our teenagers. I, I hope as a church we can do better than, hey, if you get 25,000 followers on Twitter and you get the blue check mark, then you have arrived. I hope we can give them a greater vision than that. Because there's going to be no separate line in heaven for those that have received a check mark on Twitter. Come on into heaven. Oh, wait. Were you, what's the word? Is it authorized? What is it? You know what I'm talking about when you get official, official check on Twitter? Everyone's acting like they don't know. All right, but you know, you're not going to get to heaven, and we always say St. Peter, as if St. Peter is going to be at the gates. Why would we think that? But anyway, and he's going to be like, oh, oh, you got the check mark? You're over in that line. It's like the TSA. You get to go in front of everybody. Come on over here real quick. No, that's not how it works. And what I want to say is to our teens, let's give them a bigger vision. Bigger vision than, than money. A bigger vision than a diploma. Hey, get a diploma. That's great. It's a piece of paper. In heaven, that doesn't translate to much. Well, I'm not trying to minimize your accomplishments. If you've got paper, I've got paper on my wall I'm proud of, all right? But what I'm saying is, does it reap eternal blessings, what you're doing? See, here's the thing. Even if I, and I did this, I worked jobs in my lifetime, but my life was ministry. I worked, I went to school for 20 hour, 21 credit hours per week, and I worked 40 hours at my job. So I'd get to school from 8 to 1, go to work from 3 to 11, get back and try to grab some sleep. But I tell you something, what was most important in my life doing that? wasn't the money I was making at Google, it was the money, uh, it was the investment I was making for eternity in people's lives. We need to get our mind on this thing. Work hard at work, yes, hey, climb the ladder if you can, do that. But don't let your family go to ruin because of it. And don't let your heart for God be, be tainted by your greed and your obsession to climb a ladder and get glory for yourself. How about this? Does it help others? Oh, is, it, is it worth pursuing? Does it help other people? And maybe just looking at those, and if it's one, if it's two, if it's three, if it's four, that's great. Pursue it. What are we pursuing? First of all, we're all chasing something. I have one last thought, and I'm done. Not everything we're, we're chasing is a worthy pursuit. And can I just say lastly today, some chases will not end until you get to heaven. I don't like being chased. I think I've mentioned this in church before. I don't like it. Like, you know, with my, even with my kids chasing me, like, they're not going to beat me up, right? I don't think so. But 
I don't, I still don't like them. Ah, I just like stop and turn around. I'd, I'd rather turn around and fight, you know, than, than be chased. I can't, there's just something about it. It's like they're, they're just going to grab you or whatever. So I, I can't stand that. I remember going soul winning years ago. One of our teenagers, uh, we, we, were, we were out and, and, and I forget, we were somewhere local here. And I remember going out and watching, and we had a group of teenagers out there knocking on the door, and watching one of our young, bo- young, young men of one of our teenagers sprinting down the street. Just the middle of the street. And he was fast. And he's just sprinting down the street. I'm like, what is he doing? And then I look behind him and there's a pit bull. But you know how pit bulls can look like Arnold Schwarzenegger sometimes? This one looked like Mighty Mouse. It was this small dog, this small little pit bull, chasing him down the street. And I just watched, and we're laughing. And uh, his, his uh, parents were there, and his parents, stop running, stop running. And he's run, just whoosh, whoosh, turning around, running back. Whoosh, whoosh. And the dog, like the dog, was running beside him, looking at him with his tongue out. Like, where are we going, buddy? I love exercise, too. And he's just, and he's, and I was thinking the entire time, like, that dog caught you two seconds after you started running. But he's decided to just run with you. So after a couple laps, I think the young man finally decided to, to stop running. Dog could have had him anytime he wanted. It's an amazing thing. You know, some... We, we can chase things now on earth that are worth chasing, but a lot of the things that, that God wants us to pursue, the pursuit doesn't end down here. It ends in heaven. We're supposed to be every day conformed to the image of Christ. We're never going to look like him until we get to heaven. We'll never, have the, uh, we'll never have that perfect body until we get to heaven. We'll never have that flesh eradicated until we get to heaven, and we will live in frustration down here, as the Bible says, we will groan for that, for that glorified body. We'll be frustrated with our own sin, with our own letdowns, and, and just all the time. And, and we're going to be, but we have to get back up and keep pursuing. When you're running, you know, uh, I watched my daughter the other day just, just running down the hallway and just took such a hard fall, our little one Kelly, on her knees. And like, you know how it is with kids, like if you don't acknowledge that they're hurt, then they won't cry? You know what I'm talking about? Like if you're like, are you okay? They're like, Ah, you know, start crying, but if you just turn away and walk away, they'll get up and they don't know if they're supposed to cry or not. They're just like, all right, and just keep running, you know? And, and am I just the worst father or what? But anyway, and uh, so, but I'll turn away and just be like, okay, if they cry, I'll, I'll comfort. But if they don't cry, okay, they, they toughen up or whatever. And I just see that girl go and just biff and hit her knees so bad, and she just pops up and just kept on running. I was like, a girl, there you go. All right, and just because too, like, you know, you want to see that, that toughness a little bit there, but uh, so many times in life, we just fall again and, again, we, and we, we skin our knees, you know, just so much of the Christian life is just getting up, dusting ourselves off, and pursuing Jesus again, over and over and over again. Now, I don't know where you are today, maybe you're on the ground still. Maybe there was a fall, and you're getting up. Maybe you're dusting yourself off. Maybe you're thinking, should I just go back and quit? No, I want to encourage you to keep pursuing Christ. Keep, it's a worthy goal. It's worthy. How about this? We don't get our rewards until heaven. No, God blesses us here. But the blessings that he gives here are nothing compared to what we will receive in heaven. So keep fighting a good fight. Chase those things now. You know, lay up treasure here uh, in, in heaven, I mean. But, uh, but don't... But, 
we don't get to see all those things till we get to heaven. We're waiting to hear. Some of us are waiting to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but we don't know if we're going to hear it till we get to heaven. We're chasing it. We're trying to please God. We're chasing that. Hey, I'm trying to be the best husband and father I can be. And you know what? My journey will not be over till I get to heaven. It just won't end. So there's, there, there's no arriving at perfection on earth. So I want to just encourage you this morning, just keep running. Keep pursuing God. Keep chasing him. Keep, keep seeking God. And if you want to look through the Bible at the words pursue or seek, you'll see that God tells us a lot of things we ought to be pursuing. You know, it, it, he said, but he also tells us things not to seek. Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. The Bible tells us not to seek after money. The Bible tells us to seek peace. Have you been seeking peace? Have you been seeking war? Some people are like Asahel. They're just itching for a battle. No, you seek peace. The Bible tells us to seek charity, seek love, to try to love one another, love people. Seek God, seek the face of Christ. So this morning, I want to just ask you, what are you chasing? You know, one more thought just to leave with you is that there was someone else that was chasing something too. The Bible says that Jesus set his face like a flint to the cross. He decided when I'm on earth, he was seeking one thing. He said, I do always those things that please him. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Over and over, he said, I am here to pursue one thing, accomplishing God's will for my life, dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And if Jesus was centered and Jesus was focused and Jesus was pursuing something and following God, and I want to be too. So this morning, how about you? Do you have a task and are you pursuing it to the end? What are you pursuing? Is what you're pursuing worth chasing? Or are we letting relationships die because we're so focused on some dream or goal that God didn't give us? So I don't know where you are with this, but this convicted my heart. And I want to be very careful that I'm not neglecting the things that God wants out of me to simply do something that makes me look better. Father, I pray that you'd help us today as, Lord Jesus, you set your face like a flint. I pray that we would have the same heart to just decide I'm seeking God. I'm seeking Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. And perhaps, let me ask you this first, who's here today say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm sure of it. If I were to die, I'd go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I know. Thank you. You can put your hands in. I appreciate it. I may be here to say, today and say, Pastor, pray for me. To, to be honest, if I were to die today, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven, but I want you to pray for me. I won't call your name out, but you say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody like that at all? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Okay, then uh, thank anybody else then most of us here are saved. Most of us here have trusted Christ. My question to you is this. What are you chasing? And maybe this morning God has just kind of refocused you in some areas, or maybe you just ought to take some of those things I gave and identify is what you're chasing worth it. But you say, Pastor, today God spoke to my heart about something in this message. Would you slip your hand up? Who's like that? Did God speak to you today? Thank you. I would encourage you to do something about that and spend some time in prayer with the Lord. That's what this time is about. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you need to use the altar this morning, I invite you to come. Evaluate. Are you chasing what you ought to chase? Are you seeking and pursuing and following after what you ought to? Is it worth it? 
Is it falling in line with your responsibilities and priorities? Are we seeking God like we ought to? making decisions this morning. How about you? What did God speak to you about in the message? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Teenagers, what are you pursuing? dream kind of like mine, to be popular or famous, rich, please know that God has a greater plan for you than that. Our Father, I want to thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, that you are worth pursuing. You're worth following. Lord, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus one day. And I thank you for that. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you for the the, uh, joys that we will receive there and the blessings and rewards. It'll make it all worthwhile what we did here. But I pray today that our minds, our thoughts, our hearts would be right on this, God, that we're pursuing after the things that really matter, the things of eternal value, that we're, we're, we're doing the things we're supposed to. Yes, we're, we're working, we're, we're, we're doing all, we're providing, we're fulfilling our responsibilities, but we're also making sure that there's a high priority on the tasks that you have given us to pursue. So God, help us with this today. Lord, help those that may not be sure that they're on their way to heaven. Lord, they talk to one of us and let us take the word of God and explain to them how they can know for sure heaven's their home. Bless us today, we certainly love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hope you'll be back tonight at 5 p.m. Choir is starting. Choir practice. That's wonderful. We love you folks. God bless you. You are dismissed. Mm